I promise he made me get up here. <laughs> I thought I was tall enough, but uh, please join me. Uh, this is the scripture for this morning's lesson, and it is um, John 1, 1 through 18. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was a light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out, saying, this is the one I spoke about when I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness, we have all received grace, in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. God, we thank you for this beautiful morning, for giving us the ability to come together in your name and to learn more about you. Uh, Lord, we just thank you for drawing us to you, for giving us your word so that as we desire to know who you are, that we can look at the word, we can look at your son Jesus and know more about you. Lord, give us open hearts, open minds, and ears to hear Please be with John as he gives your message, and uh, may we put it to our hearts and to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Delisa, I, I don't want to embarrass you, but that was kind of a power grab of you to insist on the pulpit. <laughs> it's like, really? I'm kind of a new pastor here. I need the credibility. I felt, I, I didn't think about this. <laughs> I didn't think about this before I selected this text, but I promise you I did not choose this text because it's like self-referential. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. <laughs> I did not send that to boost my credibility. I apologize if any of you think that's the kind of person I am. I'm generally not. <laughs> I want to talk for just a moment about the concept of words. Uh, words matter. Word, word uh, the word was obviously prevalent in this text here. Um, Think about what words are. Words, you know, we all speak English. Uh, words are these utterances, these sounds, 
that we have socially assigned meaning to. So we've all just decided that, you know, this stuff on the ground is carpet. The stuff on the ground is not carpet. We've all just decided to call it carpet. And if we lived in another country that spoke a different, people who spoke a different language, we'd call it something different. But we've all socially decided to call this thing carpet. Uh, words are, are socially defined. That's where they come from. Um, and there are questions about the meaning of words. And this happens often in relationships where one person will say a word and they have a certain meaning attached to that word, but the other person will say, well, what did you mean when you said that word? Emily and I have this conversation regularly where I am a bit persnickety about words and am, uh, use fewer of them. And Emily thinks out loud, and so words for her are always like a hypothesis. She's, and so she'll say a word, and I'll have a reaction to it. She says, ah, don't listen to what I'm saying. They're just words. She's like getting it out there. Um, but there's conversation about what value or meaning were you attaching to that word when you said that word. So we have questions about the use of words. There's conflict over those. Um, a very interesting case study, and I've tried to, to choose something controversial on our first Sunday, um, is the discussion about words within the White House. So there's a conversation about whether or not President Trump used a certain word to describe a country and a continent. And, you know, there's a group that says he did. There's a group that says he didn't. But, but the reason people are curious is that if, if the President of the United States did use that word, which is in my notes, but I'm not going to say on our first Sunday at least, <laughs> maybe the second, okay? If he did use that word, then the President of the United States is, is using a word that connotes something uh, less than pleasant, about a, a country and a continent. That would be really uh, troubling, which hints at this other dynamic about words. It's not just the value that we assign to words and the meaning of these words, it's who says the words. And so you think about the words that have been spoken to you. Uh, you think about uh, the silence when you really wanted to hear a good word from someone else. Words and what they mean and who says them, uh, it really matters. In fact, probably all of us in this room could, could point to some words that were spoken or not spoken to us or about us by people that we loved and trusted. Those could have been words that, that gave you life. I will always remember my dad used to say, you know, and you live into that identity, those words that have been spoken over you, where someone said to you that thing that was really hurtful, and you may not acknowledge it to others, but you always keep those words in your back pocket. They inform your understanding of self. The words matter, the, the meaning we assign to them matters, and who says them or doesn't say those words matter. Our words are the means by which we get to enter into other people's world, relate to other people. I could stand up here and think about my thoughts about John chapter 1 in front of all of you, but you would just have to guess unless you have like, it was ESP, whatever that is. It's my, by my words that you have a clue what I'm thinking about, what I'm trying to get at. Our words are our representatives. Our words create worlds, which is why this concept of the word is so interesting here in John chapter 1, bringing all of that conversation about the meaning of words and thinking about who speaks these words in the text. Um, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful statement that John makes here. He says, from eternity past, there was the word. And he makes it a proper noun. There was the word, a word that existed before everything. 
a word that was the word that was with God and the word that was simultaneously God. And this word was the spark of life, the genesis of life. Everything that existed and came into being came into being through this word with a capital W. This, this word was the life and the light and the spark of everything. And then pretty quickly, this word that is in the, like the third person, the V word, becomes gendered. It becomes a gendered noun. In him was life. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. And all of a sudden this word that is a, an abstract idea gets a little bit more concrete and it gets gendered and starts hinting at a man. And this word, they change the metaphor a little bit, is it equated with light. A word that is light, that is life. And it's a word, it's light that the darkness has not overcome. Another translation of it may be, the darkness has not understood it. A word that's misunderstood. The word that can be misunderstood. And John says, this light, this word, who was before creation with God and was God, came into the world, entered into the world that this God, this word, this light had made. And interestingly, it was not universally understood or accepted, which doesn't quite make sense. He says, but to those who understood the word, to those who, who could hear that voice speaking, to those who would accept it, this word gave the right to become adopted as sons and daughters of God. And you think, well, what was the word? It's like Monty Python, the knights who say, knee, or something like that. And they changed the word. What was the word? What did it sound like was the utterance? It says, Jesus, the word, came from the Father, and he was a word of grace and truth. Jesus, the word of God, came from the Father full of grace and truth. And if you think about it, if you have your Bible open, verse 18 is pretty poignant. It says, no one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. Jesus is the word by, by which we can know what the Father is like, which says to us, and this is really big, that everything you want to know about God should be filtered through the person of Jesus. Any questions you have about what God is actually like, take those to the person of Jesus. And you know, people put, put up quotes of, you know, with God attributed on billboards, and if it doesn't sound and smell like Jesus, I'd be, I'd be curious. I'd ask some questions. Everything we want to know about God, every question we've ever had about what God is like or what God thinks about you, we need to direct to the person of Jesus Christ. This author named Brian Zond said, Jesus is what God has to say. You want to know what God has to say to you? You know what God has to say to humankind and creation that is, that is really run amok? Look at the person of Jesus. Jesus is what God has to say. If somebody came up to you in the street and said, what do you think God is like? What would be their starting place? What would be your starting place? Would it be abstract principles? Would it be uh, inspirational quotes? What's God like? When you think about what God is like, maybe you equate that with, with you know, what church people have said. Or maybe if people have a, a really unfavorable view of God, it's because people who supposedly loved God 
we're really unkind, or we're really judgmental. And what often, often happens, and this again goes to the power of words and, and what they mean and who says them, when people who say they love God behave in ways that are so harmful, if we were to describe God, our, our description goes way off course. But this morning, I want to offer us a corrective that everything we wonder about God, everything we hope to be true about God, every question we have about God, don't direct it in abstract, direct it to the person of Jesus Christ and what Jesus was like, what Jesus said to someone like you or to me, and what Jesus is still speaking to us today. Jesus is the Word. He's the means by which you can enter into God's world. Jesus is the word by which you can know what the Father is like. Which, you know, I even did this. I tried not to as we came up. But I called, I said, Delise is about to read to us from the word of God, which is true. Uh, the, the, we believe the scriptures are inspired by God. But if we use John 1, 1 through 18 as our definition of what's the word, it wasn't talking about the Bible in 1 through 18. What was it talking about? I can't hear you. <laughs> Jesus. And so then you can kind of, maybe if you have any kind of Christian history, you can go through your like Bible memory verse Rolodex and go to other scriptures that talk about the word, the word of God. I think about Hebrews 4.12, which perhaps you know. Hebrews 4.12, the word of God is living and active, sharper than a double-edged sword. It penetrates to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of our heart. Usually apply it to, to the book, to the Bible. But what if we shifted our understanding of that to what John chapter 1 says, who's the word? Jesus Christ is living and active. Jesus himself is sharper than a double-edged sword. Jesus penetrates, divides soul and spirit, joints and marrow. Jesus judges the thoughts and attitudes of our heart. You think in the presence of Jesus, everything within us for good and for bad is revealed. It's in the presence of Jesus that we begin to see reality as it really is. It's in the presence of Jesus. And Jesus knew the Scriptures, the Word of God, as I referenced it, the Bible, the purpose of it was to point it to the true Word, Jesus, the true Word of God. You think about uh, in John, I didn't know it, I have to look, uh, 5, I knew that, of course, John chapter 5, because I have most of the Bible memorized um, as a pastor. <laughs> Jesus was in conversation with, with these Pharisees. And they were quoting the Bible at him. Don't quote the Bible against Jesus. It's not going to go well. And Jesus responds to these Pharisees who were, who were thumping the Bible against him. He says, you guys have never heard God's voice or seen his form, nor does his word, and think about that, dwell in you. He says, because you don't believe the one he sent. If you trust the word but not the word, you've missed the point. So you're going to the Word, but you don't believe the one He sent. He says, you study the Scriptures diligently. And I think He's nodding to these guys. You know, you know the, the Hebrew Bible really well, but you're still missing it. You study the Scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. But these are the Scriptures that testify about me. Yet you refuse to come to me to have life. Jesus is the Word. Jesus is the means by which we can know what the Father is like. Jesus Himself, not the Bible. The Bible is the means, a means through which we can come to know what the true Word with a capital W. It's like the Scriptures are pointing to Him, and it's in Him 
that we can begin to experience life as God designed, but it's a painful, it's a painful at times healing. That word that exposes us, Hebrews 4.13 says, nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything in the presence of Jesus, the true word, is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. The presence of Je- being in the presence of Jesus is like being in the presence of a surgeon who sees us and loves us and wants our good, and yet there's some painful work that needs to be done in cutting out that cancer that's within us. Jesus loves us like a surgeon. There's a pain and a healing to be close to him. Everything we want to know about God comes back to Jesus. we get really confused. There's a cacophony of voices representing God and saying what God is like. Go to the Christian bookstore, go to Barnes & Noble, there are going to be a lot of different opinions about what God is like. Um, We live in a very busy world. It's difficult to sit still for a couple of minutes. Um, I I have this, I bought this thing called a light phone, which is this really advanced technology. It makes and receives phone calls, and that's it. And I need this thing because I don't have the discipline to not look at my phone compulsively. And I'm addicted to the noise. I'm addicted to noise. And we all are. Our world is so busy. So how are we to think about God rightly in a world where there's just so many diverse opinions, in a world where there's so much clutter and noise? How on earth are we trying to think about God correctly? And how on earth are we supposed to, like, run a church? No wonder we've, we've so screwed things up. And I'm part of it. I said to some folks last week that the way that we've ended up doing church, have you ever played Cranium, the game Cranium? Well, there's this activity in Cranium called Sketch, where you're, you, you're given a clue of something you're supposed to draw, and then you have to close your eyes and draw it. And when you open your eyes, you're like, oh, that was way off. And it feels like collectively that's what we've done with the church. Jesus had this beautiful picture of what the church was supposed to be, and we've closed our eyes, and we've drawn it, and we look back and think, that is not at all what I was hoping for. And maybe you've come here today because you've had several experiences of churches that were not at all what you were looking for. You've left a church because it's not at all what you were looking for. I'm going to tell you now, we're not what you're looking for either because we're just as screwed up as everybody else. There's an ideal out there. There's a picture out there. Collectively, for the church, that we, we know God gave us the right clue, the right, the right scent to follow, but we've jacked it up. We've drawn something that looks so other than what God had intended. But it's also true for your individual life. There's a picture you had of what life would be like when you, when you arrived, or you, would hope, you were hoping to have this kind of life. You started out with this beautiful idealism, maybe at the beginning of a marriage or relationship or a job, and you find yourself, you've closed your eyes and you've opened again, and you look at it and you think, how on earth did life get like this? And we always need to start again. That's why I'm starting with no arrogance that we're not going to do this perfectly. We're going to do this really poorly at times. But don't we also feel that compulsion within us? Don't we also hear that voice still whispering, i got something for you. That word, that voice is still speaking. That voice that from time to time can pierce through the other voices that are making noise in our ears and in our minds and says, I've still got something for you. Which is why we're starting another church. And maybe it's just for us. Maybe it's for, for others. 
is we want to be a group of people who are attuned to the voice of God, who are paying attention to what God is trying to do. I'm convinced that we need a hard reset on our spiritual operating systems. Um, I do. Maybe you do. You're stressed about your, about your children, about your work, about the things in the news, about managing your relationships. And we're trying to throw God in the midst of this, and things are not getting clearer. We need a hard reset on our spiritual operating system. And so when it came time to thinking about what to preach, uh, you know, for the first season of our life together, I thought, I don't want to do any, like, <laughs> creative sermon planning. I don't want to try to do anything too cutesy or catchy so that you walk out and tweet this. I don't care if you tweet any of this. I hope that people walk away with a curiosity about Jesus, to immerse ourselves in the story of Jesus, to start from scratch. Maybe you're confused about who God is, but I want us to start from scratch together, looking hard at the person of Jesus. And so for the next five months, that's what we're going to do. And after the five-month mark, we're never talking about him again. (laughs) Just kidding. Until three weeks after Easter, we're going to be in John's gospel, uh, looking at the person of Jesus. And I have no agenda, and I have no takeaways, no points of application but this, that I hope that you'll leave with a curiosity about Jesus and attune your ears to his voice. I hope that you'll leave and, and pick up John's gospel and just sit with it, read it, read it, read it. Not to get the Scripture, not like the Pharisees. In the Scriptures, you have life. No, look to the living Word, Jesus Christ, who's living and active, who wants to speak to you. And there's even a simple prayer that you can pray, and maybe we'll even say this now. Repeat after me. It's a prayer. Open my eyes. Dang it. Come on, John. Come on. You got this. We practice this. You could do it. Not taking ourselves too seriously. Let's try again. Open my ears to hear your voice. Say it again. Open my ears to hear your voice. The scriptures say Jesus is living and active. If Jesus is the true word, the voice of God, that's a voice that we should attune ourselves to. And I believe that Jesus is still speaking. And I believe that the true word still has something to say to God's people. And the true word still wants to speak a better word than the words that are being spoken around the news these days. That Jesus Christ has not given up. That there is still hope. There's still hope for you. And I don't think it's any mistake that you're here today. Uh, The folks who've been launching Cornerstone, we've been dedicated to prayer Um, And sometimes it's been one or two of us in this room at 7 o'clock in the morning or five or six of us at noon. We've been praying for you for nearly 800 hours. God has been at work drawing you close, and I know that he's leading you to hear the voice of Jesus, and he's still speaking. Real quick before we come to the table, what do we learn about God? What, What is God like? Six things. One, we have a God who wants to have a relationship with us. And if he didn't, he wouldn't have spoken. He wouldn't have sent the word. Two, we have a God that we see in Jesus who gives life. In him was life. That life was the light of all humankind. He wants to give you life. Three, we have a God who is light. And sometimes the light is blinding. 
especially if we've, we've grown accustomed to living in secrecy in the shadows. The God who's light. The light can be blinding, but you can also see where you're going in the light. Four, we have a God that can be misunderstood. And maybe you've come in here with a particular opinion about God. Maybe someone who told you screwed it up. Or maybe you've misunderstood. There's more of him to learn. Five, we have a God who wants to adopt us into his family. Maybe you came in alone and you're hoping to God just to find a friend, and maybe instead God would have you find a family this morning. He wants to adopt us. And six, we have a God in Jesus Christ who's characterized by grace and truth. And for the folks who are serving communion, why don't you go ahead and come up? We see the grace and the truth of God most clearly when we tell the gospel story and we get to act it out every week around the communion table. The cross represents God's realism toward the brokenness of humanity, that things were really jacked up, things were really, really messed up, broken beyond belief. If it weren't, Jesus wouldn't have had to die. The death of Jesus represents the truth of God that, that, that sin demanded payment. The things were so jacked up we needed to fix it, and there's only one way to fix it. The Old Testament gave a, a foreshadowing of this. It said, look, the lamb, they'd sl- they slay the lamb instead of the person. The, John the Baptist, you know, I like John, uh, said, look, that's the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Yet the cross that was the, reflected the painful truth about humanity and what, what required healing is also a word of grace through which the Lord Jesus speaks to you. I want you to be my son. I want you to be my daughter. I love you. I will give up my life to rescue you. Communion uh, in the church is called a sacrament. In, the, in the, the ancient Near East, they used to understand this, or in the Roman Empire, they'd understand this idea of a sacrament as being like an oath to a king, to Caesar. And so you'd go up and you'd say to Caesar, you'd give him the sacrament and say, this is my oath of loyalty to you, that I will uphold your kingdom over my dead body. And the church and Jesus has flipped this on its head, that the Lord Jesus says to you, It will be over my dead body that I welcome you into my family and welcome you into my kingdom. So this morning as you come to receive, you come to hear a word of grace and truth that you are in the light, sinful, and I am too. We are broken, more broken than we even realized. And yet the cross also shows us that you are loved beyond comprehension. That the voice... Let that voice, that voice of love, that voice of invitation, that voice of reality, and sometimes the hard truth speak over you this morning that God wants to adopt you into his family through Jesus Christ.